Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! What's up, guys? I hope you enjoy the little Super Bowl preview episode I put together for you here. Uh, once again, we're in the last few weeks of Mobile Pirate Radio. Uh, the week after the Super Bowl, I believe, is going to be our first week back in studio uh, with real microphones and real quality that way. Going to start having guests. We'll have Cousin Pat, we'll have David, we'll have other Steelers, beat writers, and Twitter folks who I'm going to be reaching out to. And then overall, we'll just have a lot of fun discussions. And I guess... Uh, you want to hear about Malik Willis this week, uh, the guy who's turning heads, the quarterback at the Senior Bowl, who Tomlin is in love with. We know that the Steelers do not hide who they're going to draft, who they are going to draft. In fact, they do the opposite. They pretty much tell the entire world who they're going to draft. And to call that a rumor that they are enamored with Malik Willis would be the understatement of a century. Nagy, the guy who leads the uh, one of the leaders of the Senior Bowl even tweeted himself, like, yeah, the Steelers love Malik Willis. The owner here, Art Rooney's here. They're talking to his parents. Tomlin's staring at him. He's doing the Aaron Rodgers stare with him. And just like they did with Mason Rudolph and James Washington and Devin Bush and all these other players that they've been attracted to. Najee Harris, of course. Even TJ Watt, everybody knew right away, that, yeah, they're taking this guy. So very interesting to see that with Malik Willis. I do think that there are a number of teams who are in front of the Steelers who will draft this guy because it really looks like Malik Willis is separating himself from the pack. Uh, Kenny Pickett also could be available. I watched. I finally did watch one game of Malik Willis, and I will say, yeah, it's exciting. It is more exciting just on a one-game watch than a Kenny Pickett just because his arms are better and his legs are better. And that's just a, you know... <laughs> It's a good place to start with, but who knows? We'll see. I mean, Kenny might be available. I know Kenny and, and Malik Willis have played the best of the senior bowl so far. I do think there are a lot of teams who are desperate to get a quarterback, so it's going to be tough for the Steelers to get them. Saw some pushback on Twitter this week that there are, you know, there's only a few teams above the Steelers who want a quarterback. I don't know if I agree with that. And then you're not just worried about the teams in front of you. There are teams behind the Steelers who could trade up, although I don't really think there's that many considering those are the playoff teams. So maybe I'd take that back. But either way, a lot of teams who want a quarterback. Interesting to, to see the Steelers dig this guy. Uh, obviously, if the price was incredible, yeah, get him if you love him that way. And especially since it seems like his personality is fantastic as well. But it also just seems like there are good quarterbacks who come out every single year now. And we said all year it's a crappy quarterback class. Someone will probably emerge. Oh, and look at that. Someone's kind of emerged. So I need to do a lot more research on him before truly declaring him to be a legit prospect. But uh, at least the Steelers are getting some practice and evaluating these guys because they need to get a lot better at doing that after 
giving Mason Rudolph a first round grade and drafting draft stops and all those things. So anyways, a little disclaimer, a little Steelers news. Let's get into the Super Bowl preview. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. And this is the Super Bowl preview. All right, here's the preview. Root against the Bengals. What is wrong with you if you root for the Bengals? Do you also root for Hitler? No, of course not. They're evil. We don't want them to have any success. And we certainly do not want them to have any happiness, despite this being a cool story for the NFL. Okay, so as you can see, this week is going to start semi-similar to last week. There is something on my mind, and it is rooting against the Bengals. But I actually think it's a positive thing here. It is fun having some sort of rooting interest in the Super Bowl. And of all the 10 Super Bowls or whatever it was that the Patriots played in, their Super Bowls were fun, except for that recent one against the Rams. That was unbelievably boring. They were fun because you were rooting against them. You had an interest, especially as a passionate Steelers fan who did not want the Patriots to equal all the Steelers' records for Tom Brady to do that. Well, that didn't work out for us, but you really had someone to root against in the Super Bowl, and that's fun. And I'm happy to have someone to root against in this Super Bowl, the Bengals or the arch nemesis of the Steelers, who over the years have desecrated or attempted to desecrate the terrible towel. They threw full beer cans at Ben Roethlisberger while he was being carted off the field against the Bengals. Uh, Vontae's perfect, headhunting, all of the killer bees, taking out all three in one season, ruining the Super Bowl chances for the Steelers. The Steelers should have beat the freaking Super Bowl champion Broncos in the following week. They kept that close without A.B. in the game. I think if they had A.B. there, they were going to beat them. Now, would they have beat the Patriots after that? I don't know. But they had a good chance because the Patriots' offensive line was completely decimated at that time. Maybe that would be the the final redemption for the Steelers, finally beating the Patriots in the championship game. It would have been so sweet. Just let's, let's remember all that, okay? And on top of that, the vitriol the Cincinnati Bengals fans have for the Steelers. That's really the, the headliner here. We can't let that stand, people. Listen, they hate hate Ben Roethlisberger like the evil stepfather that he is to them. And therefore, they hate the Steelers as a result. And I think that's interesting because I don't necessarily think you should hate a team that just beats you all the time because to me, that's that's beta energy. That's a little bit beta. Like, oh, you beat me, so I hate you. Yeah, you can be frustrated. But even with the Patriots, I used to hate them when I was younger because of all the memories they ruined. All the Super Bowl championships they ruined, but it wasn't really, you know, them ruining it as much as the Steelers not being able to get it done. So that's frustrating. Whereas with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Browns borderline borderlining on this, you hate them because they intentionally try to injure your players. And you hate them because their fans are so obnoxious with their trash talk for for years. The second they get a good team, it's just so over the top. And you might be saying right now, Nick, any team in the NFL would act like that. And I will respond, you are 100% correct, and I don't care. Because the teams that we deal with are the Cincinnati Bengals and the Browns. So can't dig that, uh, can't root for them, but I do like having a rooting interest. And then, of course, if I were to take myself out of the equation, it's really cool to have a brand new Super Bowl. Obviously, McVay's been there before, but not with Matt Stafford. The chance for Matt Stafford to get redemption on his career 
the chance for Matt Stafford to prove the point that many football podcasts, actually I would say not many, only few, the proud and the brave try to make about the quarterback gets too much credit and the quarterback gets too much blame. And Tom Brady wasn't playing all those incredible defensive playoff runs for the Patriots, all right? He was doing his part, which was more than almost any other quarterback has ever, you know, even been capable of doing, of course. But as you saw when he lost the Super Bowl with 500 passing yards and basically a perfect performance, it's not all in the quarterback's hands, right? And so to have a guy like Matt Stafford, where there's a 10-year career where he doesn't win a single playoff game and people eventually just want to say, oh, well, he should elevate them there, even though they can't name five Lions players outside of Calvin Johnson that he played with during his time there. That should be a sign. Oh, it eventually just becomes Matt Stafford's fault, right? No, man, the the game is too comprehensive. It's too difficult. It makes it even more hilarious that not only does he have success when he leaves the Lions, he makes the Super Bowl in his first try. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's a great team. I, I wouldn't even necessarily call the Rams an all-star team the way I called the Buccaneers were an all-star team because out of the people they added, you, you got Odell, who, as we have been screaming for two years, like this guy is still unbelievable. Baker just can't throw on the ball. But you can't deny he's not where he was at of, like with his Giants tenure. And then Von Miller hasn't quite been the same guy for the past few years. So these are like past their prime guys, whereas um, you know the Buccaneers added A.B. And, and Gronk, who Gronk, yeah, he had taken a year off, but that year off was prefaced by domination and A.B. still A.B. So adding that to Dominic Sue and, and Levante David and White and all these people, I thought that was a little bit more of an all-star team. But, hey, maybe I'm splitting hairs there. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say as I'm bouncing all over the place here is with Matthew Stafford, it just goes to show you that there's this weird misunderstanding the public has of quarterback play, I think due to the recent era of quarterbacks that were really headlined by Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And then the media kind of pushed Drew Brees as the third guy when really it would be more like Aaron Rodgers, Brees, Ben. And then, yeah, Phillip Rivers. And, and Eli Manning's a part of it, even if he's not in the same league as those guys. But with Brady and Manning, so much of their game is cerebral. And cerebral to a kind of unheard of extent, the way that they manipulated defenses, especially Peyton, who was basically the offense coordinator of his teams. But, you know, Brady's gamesmanship and his ability to take what the defense gives him and then cut your heart out right when he needs to with deep passes, that's how they made their living. Two unathletic guys, you know, comparative to the NFL, who dissected defenses. So we started getting this opinion that, you, you could be really talented with your arm, but if you didn't win, that means you didn't have the brains or you didn't have the clutch. When at the end of the day, it's like this, man. Peyton Manning is on a different level than any, everybody else, um, football intelligence-wise. He, he had the entire offense on his shoulders from his rookie year in an era where that was unheard of. It was basically him and Dan Marino. And then he really crafted the offenses and controlled much of it, as you see audible on every single freaking play. And he was kind of a one-man army for the Colts. And Brady, I think, falls into the other category of like, hey, any Hall of Fame quarterback who plays for as long as he does, 
they're all smart. Like you, it, it, it really isn't rocket science like the public or the media sometimes wants to make it be. So with Matthew Stafford and all of his success, sometimes it really is as simple as like, does he throw amazing? Is he an amazing thrower? Then I, he's probably really good because if he's an amazing thrower, but he doesn't have the intelligence or he doesn't have the X factors, it's going to make itself readily apparent. Not, not like with, with Matt Stafford, it's like, well, I mean, he doesn't play poorly. They just, they haven't won a playoff game. Whereas with Jay Cutler, it's like, ah, oh, he plays poorly all the time. How many games does this guy throw one touchdown? The sample size is huge. So that's an example to me where it's like, yes, the physical talent was there, but the mental side was not there. Sometimes I think you just need to make it a little bit simpler. Even with Ben would be another great example. It's like, he does not have the, the processing that Aaron or Brady or, or Breeze or Manning has, but he's still a very smart quarterback because it's not rocket science. You eventually figure out they're in two high safeties. There's only a certain amount of places I can go with the ball. Okay. So I love that this Matt Stafford Super Bowl appearance is, is putting perspective into that. Like, dude, this guy is very good. Um, and that's a fun storyline to follow. I can't remember a Super Bowl where we've had narratives like this because narratively, these are two of the most interesting teams that have ever made the Super Bowl, and for them to make it at the same time is pretty awesome. So the reason why they're interesting is because obviously Joe Burrow, first quarterback ever who was the number one pick in the NFL draft, who led his team to the Super Bowl within the first two years. Now, Dan Marino got to the Super Bowl in the first two years, but he wasn't the number one pick, right? The, the Joe Burrow came into a poop organization, and what people don't realize is that their free agency and their drafting has been spectacular the past two years. I mean, obviously, they got Mike Hilton from the Steelers. They got a bunch of Mike Hiltons. Players were like, this is a borderline Pro Bowl player, like a Pro Bowl alternate-type guy who also has crazy intangibles and durability. And that's Hendrickson and Bell and all these guys on defense that they got. That, that They've really stacked the cupboard well. And then taking Jamar Chase is, of course, what unlocked it all. Because you need superstar pass catchers and or running backs, but especially pass catchers, if you want to have an elite offense in today's NFL, even when you have the elite quarterback. You saw what happened when Stephon Diggs went to Buffalo. And, of course... That coincided with, with Josh Allen's action. He was developing at the same time anyways. I'm not saying, would, you know, he would have been ready to take advantage of Stefan Diggs the year before, but I have a feeling the numbers would have been a lot, would have been a lot different. I don't have a feeling. I mean, that's a virtual guarantee. Let me step like that, step that back. Um, but the, the Bengals are so interesting that way because they, they are the worst to first story that we love in the NFL. It was done mainly through homegrown talent and then the free agents they weren't signing Odell and Von Miller. They're signing role player guys who are really good, but maybe not known to the national consciousness. And on top of that, they're a small market team, who, like from a football town, not sexy at all, you know, boring compared to the New Yorks of the world. And they're in, and that's the kind of team you kind of want to see in the Super Bowl. And so they have that. They have that underdog. I think most people will probably be rooting for them that way. And then the Rams are the greatest example of, I said, I'm going for it, that we've ever seen, where they have 
no draft picks for the rest of the history of their franchise. They pushed all the chips into the middle of the table. And like I said, the people that they brought in are superstar players, but who are at weird points in their career. People wondering what's Odell's productivity like. Obviously, Cleveland was the big problem there, but he did tear his knee up a little bit as well. So there's reason to think, well, he also may not be the exact same guy. Von Miller, you know, a little bit over the hill. Um, now, obviously, he's still got gas in the tank. Even you've seen guys with J.J. Watt or even Harrison at the end of his career. It's like, well, clearly he's not in his prime anymore. But they can have games where they look like they're in their prime. And I guess that's kind of the difference, you know, between uh, getting old as like a Hall of Fame type guy. It's like, it's not that you can't play anymore. It's that you can't keep up that super high level of play. Where when you watch um, T.J. Watt, you know, a young guy in his prime, it's every game he plays in. He had a couple down games this year, but that was when he clearly was injured with that groin thing. And otherwise, it's hilarious what a virtual guarantee it is that he's going to have a dominant performance. Same thing we saw with AB, you know, so on and so forth. Le'Veon Bell, those guys, non-quarterbacks especially. Uh, a lot of other factors going on with the quarterback thing, including the mental thing. But when you're at the top of your physical prowess, it's pretty much week in, week out. So the Rams loaded up on these guys, and they took a lot of chances. And, and the stakes are huge because they don't have first-round picks for years coming up now. And just remember, all the guys that they have traded for are former first-round picks. All the best players on their team. Aaron Donald didn't trade for him, obviously, but like all the best players on their team, first-round picks. Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford, OBJ, Vaughn Miller. Actually, most of these guys are like top 10 picks. So you see the value of those first-rounders. And since you, you traded them all away, inherently, you know, you're running a big risk here. And here they are. They're back in the Super Bowl. And I think there's an added uh, measure of intrigue because Sean McVay got – he failed so miserably in that first Super Bowl. I mean, just got absolutely dominated by Bill Belichick and the boys up there in New England. And he gets a shot at redemption. And – that's why I think this is such a great set of storylines. And the reason why I think it could deliver as a game is because not only are the storylines good, but thank God the quarterbacks are good. I feel like, you know, when Jacksonville was going to go to the Super Bowl a few years ago, which they should have, especially if that horrific fumble call, you know, that, that should have stood that touchdown from Miles Jack. Everybody knows that that's objective. He, you know, that was a fumble on that play. They should have made it, but even that would have, I mean, I guess that would have been cool because the defense was so unbelievable. Um, they haunt my dreams still to this day. But the defense was so unbelievable and, and so swaggy and, and crap-talky that that might have been intriguing. But then again, you got to watch Blake Bortles. I mean, when Cam Newton and Peyton Manning made the Super Bowl, their teams were interesting because it was fun to see Denver somehow survive with you know Peyton as a basically a corpse out there on the field and the worst quarterback in the league at the time. And they were able to make it on the back of the defense. And then Cam Newton having kind of an all-time dominant season for NFL players, but really not having any weapons around him. It's like Greg Olson is the headliner. Well, Greg Olson's cool, but like we would really prefer Jamar Chase or Tyreek Hill or Cooper Cup or these kind of guys in the Super Bowl. So no offense to Greg Olson. Not a lot of star power in that game. So I think that there was decent storylines in that game, but – they didn't have the star power to back it up. And this game, I think, does. The only big issue that I'm looking for in this game is that the Bengals have not looked great on their run to the Super Bowl. And that sounds crazy because they've beat 
three teams in a row, including the best team in the NFL and the Chiefs, who they beat twice in one freaking month. So you, you know that that's not a fluke. And they're in the Super Bowl. So I definitely think they deserve to be in the Super Bowl. But I think there's a difference between that and then looking great. Like the Steelers run to the Super Bowl, Ben's first Super Bowl run when they were the sixth seed and they ran the table. They looked phenomenal. I mean, that game against Cincinnati, of course, they, they did luck out with um, with Carson Palmer getting injured. That, that, I mean, throwing an 80-yard touchdown on the first play, that was not a good sign. But they did play well in that game. Ben played great in that game. Of course, the, the famous, historic game beating the best Colts team of all time in Indianapolis. Came out there firing the ball downfield at Heath Miller constantly. They looked great in that. You know, you think of the Packers and that unfortunate year that I've tried to erase from my life. Uh, where they beat the Steelmen, but Aaron Rodgers absolutely on fire in the playoffs, Joe Flacco's playoff run, so on and so forth. Like There are other playoff runs where people have looked amazing, whereas the Bengals, after they beat the Chiefs in the regular season with the incredible like 300-yard game from uh, Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow picking them apart and looking so composed despite all the pressure, I kind of thought that, oh, here we go. This is what they're going to look like. And they haven't looked like that since. It has not been high-flying in Cincinnati. And part of that is just because, probably because their offensive line can't withstand that. You know, the, the, the Bengals are trying to get rid of the ball very quickly. So much of Joe Burrow's production right now is on screens and things like that. Uh, but I'm not even saying he's playing poorly. He's playing well. He's just working within the confines of, of what they have and getting the ball out quick and making good plays. And their defense is super opportunistic. They keep getting interceptions in the fourth quarter and in overtime. And they're just playing really well, but it's not very sexy. And I, I hope that there's some sex appeal in this game, especially with those two quarterbacks. And I'm going to say this. I think there will be just because Matt Stafford is going to throw a pick. That is one thing about him. He's going to make up for it, I bet, and he's going to play a great game. But he will give the Bengals a chance to take the ball away. And they've been so good at that that they could capitalize. But, you know, I just love the star power from the Rams and how they've shown up in the past few games. And then the Bengals, they've got that almost like too dumb to realize they shouldn't be there thing. Too young, not too dumb, too young to realize they shouldn't be there. And I think that confidence will carry over. I think they're feeling very confident, not just because they're in the game, but because they beat the Chiefs twice in a month. And they also beat the Chiefs the week after the greatest game in NFL history where it seemed like the chiefs were invincible. I think that goes such a long way. And it's not just, you beat a good team. You beat like the team of this half decade. And it may end up being the team of the decade. I expect they'll still be good going forward. The chiefs. So like, that's sort of like beating the Patriots twice in, in that time frame. Now it's not that impressive because that would never happen with the Patriots. That is the thing. But um, it's a similar deal where you've really realized we can definitely win the Super Bowl. So I think they'll carry that swag into the game, and I hope it doesn't help them, and I hope that they lose. Thank you for listening. Prepare after the Super Bowl week. We'll be doing in-studio episodes again. And if you haven't guessed, our friends, Cousin P. Butch, David will be back on. We're going to reach out to some other Steelers, tweeters, and reporters and stuff like that, see if we can get some new guests on that way. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to the Super Bowl. I hope it's a good game. That's all we're kind of looking for. Let's get another Philadelphia, Nick Foles, uh, Patriots kind of game. I want to see some points, especially after last year's news fest. All right, follow us on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Email us at Gmail at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until then, go Steelers. Take the win.
there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.